Welcome to Wellness Realness with Christina Rice. I'm your host, Christina. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, holistic health coach, Reiki practitioner, and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, recipes, services, programs, and ebooks. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. Remember my disclaimer the information in this podcast is general health and nutrition advice and is not a replacement for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you'd like to submit a question or a topic for me to discuss, submit it on the podcast page at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and join our Facebook group, Wellness Wellness Podcast Tribe. I am only briefly into the social media detox that I'm doing this week, and I already feel so much calmer. It's so odd. I feel like I need to write a blog post about my reflections on social media detoxes because I don't even spend that much time on social media, but I feel like just knowing I'm not going to be on it and I can't go on it makes me have so much more mental clarity and I just feel calm and relaxed and it's a good feeling. I miss you know, connecting with you guys and seeing what people are up to. But it is really nice to have the mental space. And I'm not sure what it is about it. I just feel overall more relaxed. I really want to use this week to focus on catching up on some things for work I've been needing to catch up on and also getting ahead with things and also doing some personal things. And this morning I actually got a facial from... Danielle Gronich over at San Diego Acne Clinic. If you have not been there and you live in San Diego, you must go. Danielle has been on this show before. If you just search Danielle Gronich on my website, you will find that episode with her. And I know that one so many of you were obsessed with. I was obsessed with it as well because Danielle has so much information about skincare. It's actually unreal. She specializes in treating acne and scarring specifically, and so I like to go in every so often and get facial and a peel from her just to help with some of the leftover scarring, which since I have started seeing her and using clear stem and just incorporating more acids into my skincare routine. My scarring has gotten so much better every time I go in. She's always like, wow, it looks so much better than when I first started coming in, which makes me happy because scars can definitely be difficult to get rid of depending on you know how deep they are. And I have a lot from when I had acne when I was in middle school, high school. Um, beginning of college. So I'm glad that my skin is looking so much better. And Danielle is one of the co-founders of Clear Stem Skincare, which is just hands down one of my all-time favorite skincare products. It's so amazing. And I use it every single day, morning and night. But whenever I get a peel or if I've I've gotten laser or microneedling, whenever I get something done on my face, I just slather this on over and over again all day as much as I can because it really helps speed up the healing process. So I use the Cell Renew, the collagen infusion serum for that. It is amazing for regeneration, calming the skin down, helping it glow. 
That serum alone helps to fade acne scars and any red marks left behind after you have breakouts. It's also great for preventing and eliminating acne itself if you struggle with acne, and it's amazing for anti-aging. This is why those collagen stem cells are so incredible. It just totally helps transform your skin, and I like to use this on clean skin morning and night, and it's nice because you can just slip it into your skincare routine. It is very hydrating without making your skin oily. It's great for all skin types, and I like to just massage it in to help it activate as well as it can, and I've noticed a huge difference since using this regularly. Basically, if your skin is inflamed for any reason, you should definitely get this out. It's also great for sunburns, um, but and then also any of the anti-aging concerns you might have. So I highly recommend this product to everyone. It is very calming and nourishing. And I won't be using this this week since I just got a chemical peel, but I love the Clarity AHA PHA Acid Serum for resurfacing without getting an actual chemical peel done. So I get a chemical peel done every couple months or so. And in between, it's really helpful to keep up with some type of acid serum just to make sure that your skin is resurfacing, you're getting some more of that chemical exfoliation. This is really what's going to make the change in your skin and it makes your skin brighter, healthier, free of any blemishes or dark marks, red marks, fine lines, wrinkles. I like to put it all over my face, but it can also double as a spot treatment. If I feel like I'm getting a big zit coming, I will put this on directly and it will get rid of it. And you really want to make sure that when you put this onto clean skin, you let it sit for 15 to 30 minutes. Don't put anything on top, let it activate. And then after that, then that's when you can put on the cell renew on top, rub that in, and then continue with the rest of your skincare routine if you have more, but you really want to make sure that that does its work before you put on another product because I can deactivate it. The Clarity does everything from getting rid of acne to getting rid of melasma. It can get rid of brown spots, lines, wrinkles. It's seriously amazing. I think everyone needs an acid in their skincare routine. And if you think that non-toxic skincare isn't effective, you clearly have not tried this because this stuff gets it done. It really makes a change in your skin. And Danielle is known for getting results. Like she's all about results. And that's why she developed the formulas for these products to make sure that they are highly, highly effective. They don't contain any endocrine disruptors or any pore clogging ingredients, just completely non-toxic, but highly, highly effective. Because before this, she was, you know, using all these other products and just things were not hitting the mark. So she was like, I am going to formulate my own thing that works really well. And of course, their cleansers are also amazing if you're looking for just a solid basic cleanser and scrub. The Gentle Clean is there every day, just purifying, detoxing, restoring. Vitamin infused calming wash, which is incredible for all skin types. I love this to really get all my makeup off and it leaves my skin feeling really soft and smooth and not dehydrated. And then their vitamin scrub, if you love a scrub, it contains pretty gentle little exfoliating beads. They are like the perfect texture, so they're not too rough, but they also will help to exfoliate. And this is great for smoothing the skin, helping with any congestion in the skin, brightening the skin. So I highly recommend that as well. And if you are interested in trying out Clear Stem Skincare, just go to clearstemskincare.com 
And you can use my code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S, for $15 off. On their website, you will also find a list of pore-clogging ingredients if you are still struggling with clogged pores or breakouts, whiteheads, blackheads. Check your skincare and makeup products and compare the ingredients to that list of pore-clogging ingredients on there because one of those might be the culprit. So again, you can find all of that at clearstemskincare.com. And if you want to try out one of my fave products, just use the code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S for $15 off. And speaking of non-toxic skincare, this was one of the important things when working to balance my hormones and get my period back, which is the topic of today's podcast episode. I have been wanting to record a podcast about how I got my period back for some time now, so I figured why not do it right now? I have created a lot of content around how to get your period back, whether that be different podcasts, a bunch of different blog posts on my website, christinaricewellness.com, but I haven't made a post yet about how I got my period back because There are things that, you know, general recommendations I make because I've worked with so many different women to help them get their periods back. But, you know, sometimes it's a little different for every person. And I thought I would just come at it with the angle of what I did specifically and what worked for me in case maybe you pick up some more nuggets of information. I think it also just helps to hear other people's personal stories. I know for me, it helped me to learn about what other women went through to help motivate me and keep me on track. And missing your period, amenorrhea, is something that is more and more common nowadays, or particularly with the population I work with, just because I think a lot of women who are interested in their health can sometimes, sometimes purposely, but oftentimes accidentally take it too far in the sense of under eating, overtraining, not having enough body fat on, on their bodies. And that's also a function of this cultural ideal of what we think is the ideal body type. And there's so much that goes into this. And also with birth control use, being so widespread and many women um, after they get off the pill might, you know, it might take some time for their period to come back. So I wanted to just share what worked for me. So I basically just made a list of all the things I did because there are a lot of things I wanted to make sure I remembered everything. And I really hope I didn't forget anything. I've been like working on this list for like a couple weeks, but you know me, sometimes I forget but I think this is pretty comprehensive. So I'm going to go through my list and tell you all the things I did. And then at the end, I will cover some questions that you guys sent in in the podcast Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe, and some that I got via email. So I just hopefully I can cover everything that you asked. And hopefully this is helpful. And I have waited a while to post this because. You know, I, I just wanted to make sure it was back for a very long time, like solidly back. Oftentimes, people get their period once, you know, after having a menorrhea for a while, they might get their period once, and then it's missing for a while again. And to me, like saying you have your period back means 
you got it back, you've had it, and it's like solidly there. And I, it's it's been quite some time that I've had it solidly there, very regular every month. So I feel like now is a good time because it's clearly here and here to stay and I'm happy about it. So just so you know, my period has been back for quite some time. I feel very confident about it. And I just say that not because, so, you know, if you have menorrhea and you get your period back, you, you have your period. That is something absolutely to celebrate and be so excited about. And by the way, if you don't know about the health risks of not having a period, search my website because I have a full blog post about all of the negative health effects of not having a period because you do need a real period, a real period in order to be healthy as a woman. But my point is getting your period back once is something that you should definitely celebrate and be so excited about. But sometimes people get it back once and then it's missing again for a while And I just feel like you don't fully know that you've done all the work completely and that you're there until you've had it regularly for quite a few cycles and you know it's solidly there. One of the biggest mistakes I see women make is they're just so focused on getting it back and they get it back and they go back to what they were doing before and then it goes missing again. So, you know, that's not, that's clearly not optimal. So that is my little preface. So I, let me just give you some history about my period. If you don't want to hear about periods, this clearly isn't the podcast for you, so you don't need to listen to this because this episode is going to be all about my period. So just so you know. Anywho, history. I got my period for the first time when I was 15. So I was in high school and it was a little bit later than most of my friends. I wasn't really surprised about that. My mom and my sister had both gotten theirs a little bit later And I was also a really skinny kid. Like, I was just always super skinny and lanky. Like, I I played volleyball for 10 years and my spandex were baggy. I was just, I was like a string bean for a, a very long time. And my period was awful. It would last at least seven days, oftentimes more, and it was so heavy. I would wear a super tampon and have to change that every 20 to 30 minutes. It was actually out of control. And it it was so painful. I had such bad cramps. There were many times when I would have to stay home from school and I would just, I remember just laying in my bed with a heating pad and a pillow and like curled up in a ball sobbing because I was in so much pain. And I just thought, is this what it's like to be a woman? This is horrible. Not realizing that my body was just so hormonally screwed in the sense of I was eating a horrible diet and I was super constipated. So I was not excreting old hormones. I wasn't, my body just was not detoxing and that was causing a lot of issues. So my period was really painful, really long, out of control, and also very irregular. I never knew when it was coming. It just felt out of control. And this is a big reason why I wanted to go on birth control because I just wanted it to be regular or just go away or lighten up. It was awful. And I was in so much pain. And I didn't go on birth control until I was 17. And going on birth control did help my period a lot because it became regular. And I didn't really know, you know, that it was not even a real bleed. It's a pill bleed. So I was on birth control until I was... 20 years old. 
And my doctor had brought up to me, when I was 20, my doctor had brought up to me that I should really go off of the birth control pill, but I didn't want to because I didn't fully understand why he wanted me to go off. And I had so many other health issues going on at the same time that I was dealing with, with all of my gut issues, which you can listen to other podcast episodes to learn about that, that I just felt like I couldn't deal with any potential negative effects of coming off the pill at the same time. I just, in my head, was like, let me get through all this gut stuff. I was at a very stressful point in my life. And after I clear all this up, then I'll try going off the pill because I honestly was really scared that when I went off the pill, I would get horrible acne. Um, Again, because I knew that that kept my skin very clear and I just couldn't deal with it. So eventually I, I cleared up a lot of those gut issues and then I went off the pill and didn't get my period back. And so my doctor said, you know, sometimes it just, it takes some time. Let's just wait. So we wait. It's still not coming back. So then he says, you know, well, we can induce the period and see if it'll come back. And there's just something about that that, I mean, I'm just so stubborn. I just didn't want to do that. I thought, no, my body needs to needs to do this. And I didn't really know if I had if I was missing my period because because I had been on the pill for so long and it just was taking time or if I was still underweight, which I was, but at the time, you know, you don't really want to admit that. Anyways, so, or if I was just really stressed out or if it was because I still had other underlying health issues going on, gut issues, my hormones were just out of balance, I wasn't producing any estrogen. You know, when I got my Dutch test back, I I was in the postmenopausal range. It was just a disaster and so I really just wanted to try to support my body and do what I could to get it back naturally and that ended up turning into four years of amenorrhea that I know of. And I say that because it was basically four years from when I went off the pill to when I got it back. So I don't really know if during the time when I was on the pill, if I would have had my period, but I definitely, okay, I definitely would not have because I was on birth control. I was on the birth control pill when I was in college and got really sick and dropped a ton of weight. So I, my digestion stopped working and I dropped about 50 pounds in a few months and I was 73 pounds for a while. There's literally no way that I would have had a natural period at that weight. I was at 6% body fat. I was so malnourished. It was the scariest time of my life. I thought I was going to die. And doctors didn't believe I had my period, but I still have my period that time because of the pill, and that just goes to show how you don't know if you really have your period or not if you're on the pill. Anyways, so over the years, you know, it was really an effort to get it back while also while also handling the underlying gut issues, which is what the, the first thing I want to touch on because if you have underlying health issues, that could be causing you to have amenorrhea in the sense of if your body is so stressed out dealing with other underlying issues, it might kind of put put the sex hormones on pause. Similarly to how if you're really stressed out, you can lose your period basically because your body is using its pregnenolone to make cortisol rather than your sex hormones. 
Now, it varies from person to person because all the different systems of the body are connected. And for some people, they need to work on their hormones first for their gut to get back in balance. For other people, they need to work on their gut dysbiosis for their hormones to first get back into balance. And so I felt like with all these gut issues, my body was clearly under stress and I just really needed to get that to a solid place, clear all of those bacterial overgrowths. You know, I had SIBO, I had candida, I had a bunch of other bacterial overgrowths, I had parasites, all these other things because my body was just trying to fight those. My body was super stressed out and I wanted to get rid of those first to make sure that wasn't what was putting the pause button on my period coming back and then go after the period. So working on all of those underlying gut issues was definitely very, very important for me to be able to eventually get my period back. But that is not the only thing I did because as I cleared all those up, um, you know, and, and still always periodically watching all my hormones and seeing how they're changing, more needed to be done clearly. And on some level, it just comes back to the basics of balancing your hormones. So even if you have different hormonal imbalances than me, there are things that can put our hormones out of balance in general. So it's just really important for everyone, for their overall health, to try and avoid hormone disruptors, endocrine disruptors as much as they can. And so what this looks like is switching to non-toxic personal care products. That is one of the first things my doctor required I do. And that is what got me into Beauty Counter to begin with because I was looking for safer products that really worked. And then I found those products and they were better than all of my other, you know, Tarte, Urban Decay, whatever else I was using, Benefit, all these things. I was such a, I mean, I still am a makeup junkie. And that's what really got me into Beauty Counter because I needed clean products that would actually work. So, you know, switching out all of my makeup products, all of my skincare, my hair care, all of my personal care products, the things that I was cleaning my apartment with, um, switching to glass Tupperware, trying to avoid plastics as much as possible. All of that was very important for me, first of all, just to make sure I wasn't getting any endocrine disruptors in my body via my products. So the next thing that I had to do was eat a lot of food and put on weight, specifically fat. I ended up putting on a lot of muscle and fat because for me, it was easier to put on weight. It was easier for me to put on weight while kind of bulking than it would have been just to not go that route because I think in my head I was, it was just easier for me to kind of emotionally deal with it when I felt like, okay, well, I'm going to eat all this food and also use it to fuel me to, you know, put on muscle and some fat's going to come with that. And yeah, so I was basically bulking for a bit, but overall also just eating a lot more food. And that's really how it started, just increasing the calories by a lot. And that was kind of just like the first mental step is increase the calories by a lot. I've always been somebody who has a huge appetite and who eats a lot. And then the amount I was eating with the purpose of, I need to put on weight, I need to get my period back was just a whole other, a whole other ball game. And it's definitely a total mindfuck at first because 
it's almost like, you know, I've been kind of eating the same amount for for a while. I had probably been eating like 2,000 calories a day for like a couple years. And by the time I was really ready to fully mentally commit to eating a lot more food, you know, at first it's like you, you start to eat more and then it's like this this ravenous beast is unleashed. <laughs> and I know this is very scary for a lot of women because they feel out of control and they feel like they're binging. And sometimes it does feel like that, but it's not because it's such a different intention. So, I mean, I have dealt with binge eating disorder before and I it comes from such a different place and it, it feels different even though the act might seem the same and also the difference in the foods you're choosing. So I was just using foods to fuel my body that I mean, I had some dessert in there too, but overall it was kind of just like it increased everything rather than when I was binging before. That was very different because I was almost punishing myself and I was eating my feelings and I was eating, you know, cookies and ice cream and chocolate chips all the time. And when I was, you know, eating a lot of food just to put on more weight and to get my period back, it was like, I'm going to sit down and eat a whole chicken, you know, like literally a whole rotisserie chicken. Like I need this. And that's just like part of my meal. And sometimes the amount of food I was packing in was pretty insane, but my body just needed it. Like my body, I wasn't having my period because my body thought it was starving and it wasn't getting that nourishment. And I had to let it know it was safe. And I had to let it know that it, it was going to get more food and it wasn't going to go away. And sometimes that is quite a process. So for quite a long time, I was just eating a ton of food. And I mean, I don't know. I was very used to the fact that I just ate more than everyone else anyways. And I mean, it was expensive. I <laughs> buy a lot, cook a lot. But my body very clearly was hungry, starving. And I knew that because I was craving nutrient-dense foods you know, so it, it didn't feel like when I'm just craving sugar because I just have a sweet tooth. So I just had to kind of roll with it and give in and surrender and trust the process and trust that it will eventually even out like this is just what my body needs because my body needs to know it's not starving anymore. So I had to eat a lot of food. I probably ate, I mean, it was different every day. I didn't really, I didn't track every day or anything. Um, but I was probably eating between three and 4,000 calories a day for like two years. And that's just what, what I needed. And uh, the recommendation that really tends to work for most women is to make sure they're eating at least 2,500 a day. I'm sure I had some days that were 2,500, but most were more than that. And that's just what I needed. And part of that was also, I put on a lot of weight. And this is a difficult part emotionally for most women. And I had to not only get back to the weight that I was at when I had my period back in high school, because basically, after high school, I had lost weight. Um, and I was never back to where I was, but I had to overshoot it. I had to put on even more than that. So I had to put on about 35 pounds, about 25 pounds more than what I was when I was in high school with my period. Um, and about 35 pounds, about 35 pounds, you know, if it's, 
it depends on the time of the month, maybe more sometimes, maybe less other times. Um, from kind of where I was when I started this, let me get my period back journey. And that's not an emotionally easy thing at all. So I had to pull out all my tools. I had to always remind myself of my ultimate goal. I had to let myself feel uncomfortable when I felt uncomfortable. I had to throw away a lot of clothes, buy a lot of new clothes, keep doing that over and over again. I had to sit with myself and sit with my thoughts and retrain my brain and really just over the last, you know, four years, like learning to love myself and had I not really developed a very strong sense of self-worth during that time, it would have been very difficult for me. And that's not to say it wasn't still difficult at times, but I could let myself have a moment, could let myself have a day, and then I could move on. And at the end of the day, just like really keeping things into perspective that it's not worth it for me to be as skinny as I might think is ideal if that means I'm not healthy and if that means I'm not fertile and if that means I can't potentially have a child in the future and I don't know if I want kids or not, but I want that to be a choice. I want that to be an option, not not by default because I'm infertile. And I think it would be really selfish for me to take that choice away. And that would really be... Uh, a dishonor to my body. Like my body deserves to be taken care of and loved and nourished. And if my body doesn't have a period, it's telling me it doesn't feel safe. And that's not fair. It over the years forced me to stop comparing myself to anyone else to really figure myself out and why I think I'm valuable and realize that has nothing to do with the way I look and just trust that wherever my body is meant to be, it will get there and it will tell me where it's meant to be when I'm fully healthy with my period and with any other underlying health issues. And if that means I have to overshoot my weight for a bit and then maybe it'll come down again to where I thought it was more comfortable, then great. If it means I had to overshoot my weight and I stay there for a while, then that's just something that my body needs and I have to honor it. But anything that I felt like was just not serving a greater purpose and making me feel supported during that time, I had to let go of. So I don't hang out with people who talk about bodies a lot. I don't hang out with people who are super into the way they look. I don't spend much time looking in the mirror besides like when I'm getting ready. I just... I'm just not overly concerned with it because there's so many more important things. And if I had a bad day, just had to learn to, you know, maybe share it with someone I trusted so I could just let it out and move on or just let myself have the moment, feel it, and then remind myself of what I love about myself and the long-term goal and what's important here. And there were all just souls here with bodies that are used to, to hold the soul And at the end of the day, what is my purpose on this earth? And it's definitely not to look a certain way. But I think that having helped so many women get their periods back and learned so much about it, I was probably a lot more comfortable with putting on weight than I know some of the women I work with are. Um, 
at the beginning because I just understood that that was what had to be done. And I'm really good at putting my head down and just running through the herd. Like I, I can grin and bear it and just do what I need to do, keeping my eye on the prize and getting there. And also just with so many of my own personal experiences, being at so many different weights and having been at a very low weight and just realizing that no matter what weight I was at, I was never, there's always someone who thought I didn't look good enough. And no matter what what weight I was at too, I also always thought for a long time, oh, I wish I was this, I wish I was that. And so when you really realize, well, like, (laughs) it's not going to be a perfect way to look for anyone. So like, you might as well just be happy with where you're at while you're on the journey and just focus on your health, really just focusing on your health and zeroing zeroing in on health, health, health. What's my long-term goal? Health. And letting the body do what it needs to do while it gets there. So yes, I had to eat a lot of food. I had to put on weight. I had to put on fat. I had to increase my body fat percentage by about seven, eight percent. And I had to watch that to make sure I was always going up. Once I started digesting my food again, I didn't have to I didn't have to keep track of that, but definitely while I was dealing with a lot of gut issues and had malabsorption problems, I had to watch that. My doctor needed to watch that just to make sure that I was continuing to increase. It also definitely helped me to talk to other women who had gone through something similar and just get that reassurance um, and have other people supporting me and motivating me. And uh, yeah, so I had to eat a lot of food, put on some weight. And it wasn't until like my, I had cleared my parasites finally that it was time to put in some carbs because for a long time I was still eating only like non-starchy vegetables, plenty of fat, plenty of protein. And even though I was getting three to 4,000 calories a day of those foods, it was not enough for my hypothalamus to know that I was safe. I needed some carbohydrates. So this is when I started slowly adding in carbs, making sure I could tolerate them. Um, And I know many of you kind of watched as I increased my carbs. And I really believe that adding in starch really helped balance out my hormones. And even like once I got my period back, continuing to increase more from there. And I think that really helped balance them out. And I didn't need to be like, you know, now I'm not as high carb as I was for a, for a while there, for a few months there, but I definitely needed that period of time consistently for my body to know it was safe and for my hormones to rebalance out. And I'm honestly not sure how many carbs I was eating when I got my period back, but I would say at least, at least... 90 grams, anywhere between 90 grams and 200 grams a day was pretty much where I was at most days, anywhere in there. But I really had to push it beyond its threshold to first get it going. And then from there, I decreased some days and it kept increasing. But like I had to consistently eat like at least 130 grams probably a day for a while before it it came. Um, It really came. And Yeah. So increasing the carbs. And when you are paleo, I think a lot of women don't realize how 
how much how many carbs that really is because on a paleo diet it can be hard to get in enough starch like that so I will see so many women coming to me and they're telling me I've been eating high carb for so long I ate really high carb I don't know why my period's not coming back and then I look at their food journal and they're not high carb at all they're still only at like 75 to 80 grams of carbohydrates which is still a low carb diet um so I think really pushing over at least over that 100 gram threshold is super important but oftentimes more than that. I feel like often getting to 150 for a bit just to get things going. And then if you want to come down, you could. It really helps. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that potato diet honestly really, really secured things. It's really secured things for my hypothalamus. That's for sure. So for me, getting enough carbs in was putting a starch with every meal, but more than one starch, like more than one cup of starch vegetables with every meal. Um, I think people, again, just don't realize how much if they're eating a paleo diet, if you're going off of vegetables and fruit, like you, you need a good amount. So for me, protein and fat was never an issue. Like I I definitely did not have, um, an issue getting enough protein and fat in, but I needed all my macronutrients. So I could eat all the fat and protein in the world, but it just, it was not enough. I was doing that for quite some time for like years and it wasn't enough and it wasn't until I got some more starches some more carbs into my diet that things turned on for me personally now in terms of exercise it shifted quite a bit well first of all I had to stop what I was doing at the time which was a lot of like kind of circuit training and weights like that so at the beginning when I was first increasing my calories a lot I kind of went into it with like a bulking mentality just to kind of get myself hungry and get used to eating a lot more food. So this is when I started lifting heavier and I did MAPS anabolic and I uh, put on a lot of muscle and then I kept, I just, after I stopped MAPS anabolic, I just kept eating a lot, even increased from there. So I stuck to strength training. I cut out anything that felt like cardio-ish at all. And then kind of from then on, I would go through phases of just resistance training, like basic resistance training, and then, you know, not work out for a little bit or just do yoga. Um, And kind of off and on, I was just doing that. But when, but then it kind of reached a point where my body felt very tired. I just slowly like, kind of tapered off like so I moved from just I moved from doing some like lighter weights to just no weights at all and for a while I was just doing body weight movement and bands and the exercise is probably the hardest thing for me to like get over because I love moving my body and it helped me a lot with my digestion and for me personally it was way easier for me to uh to eat a lot of food and put on fat that it was to stop working out totally because I still was like I'm not doing that much exercise like I'm doing body weight workouts like three times a week like nothing crazy like 30 minutes I should be fine um and it just kind of slowly tapered off and then I would take like a full week or two off of exercise and just walk and then maybe I'd go back and I'd do some yoga or some body weight workouts and then I kind of do the same thing again. And when I got my period back, I had, 
I had stopped working out completely. I wasn't doing anything except for going on walks, like during the day, like going to run my errands and stuff. I had that, I've been doing that for almost mm, a month and a half, I would say. And I do think that was necessary for me. So it's like I had tried for years to get it back with eating enough food, not not increasing my carbs by a lot, and not completely getting rid of my exercise, even though I wasn't overtraining. But my body just needed everything to stop. My body just needed to know it was super safe. And when I finally did get it back, I was eating more carbs than I had in a long time, and I had completely stopped exercise except walking for the longest I had in a few years. So I think that played a big role in it. And the other thing I really had to work on, which is wrapped up into this, is just, I mean, overall, de-stressing your body. So if your body feels really stressed out, it's not going to want to have a period. And my body was stressed out physically, mentally, and I had to really work on reducing my stress. My body was just in fight or flight, and I had to calm it down. So you know, it started with working on the underlying health issues, then that moved into eating a lot more food, eating more carbs, stopping any exercise, because even though exercise can be a good stressor on the body, if your body's already freaking out, it can not be right for you at that time. So I had to do that. And then also just emotionally, I had to really adjust my personality a lot and learn to stop giving a shit about a lot of the little things. And I had to sleep a lot more. So I started getting eight hours of sleep, even if that meant I had to not do certain things in the evening or in the morning, and I slept in a lot, and I had to prioritize my sleep, and it felt I felt very guilty about it at first, and then I realized my body needed it, and once I started giving my body eight hours of sleep, it, it needed it, and ever since then, it's like I cannot function off of less than eight. My body would not let me. I would sleep in through alarms. It was... Just very clear, my body needed a lot of sleep. And and right before I really got my period back, like I was sleeping up a storm. I was sleeping like 10, 12, 14 hours sometimes just to get it back because my body was so stressed out. So like during the week, I would get my, make sure I got my eight hours in. If I could get more, I would. And on the weekends, I just had to let myself sleep. And I had to just de-stress in other ways, taking time for myself and relaxing, turning off my phone, ignoring people, drawing a lot of boundaries. That was of the utmost importance. And I don't think it's a coincidence that when my period like came back full force, because kind of what happened was I, I was like spotting a little bit for a couple months. So it wasn't like a full period, but something was happening, you know? So, but it wasn't my full period. And then when it really came back like full on, came back. I was probably at that time more relaxed than I had been in like years. I was away for the weekend. I had just slept like 15 hours. My I had put my phone completely away. I didn't have my computer. I I was really just with myself enjoying it. And I was so happy and it was like my body was like, "Yes, okay. We can we can calm down." And I can't emphasize that enough, how much the de-stressing 
played a role in it because if you're someone who's type A, like me, and just always go, 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 and everything needs to happen, you can't slow down, and you you say that. I always say that. I can't slow down. Like, I have so – and I always – I mean, I here's the thing. The reality with my job is I always have things to do. I always, always have people to get back to. I always have a project I'm working on. Like, there's always something to do, and it can feel overwhelming, but I had to learn, and this is an uh, ongoing process always, but – drawing boundaries, saying no, and giving myself self-care time, like getting massages, getting my nails done, watching TV and not working while I do it, and just like reading a book. All these little things added up, and I really, really had to de-stress and learn to not care about so many things, and just if something didn't get done, then it sucks. It just didn't get done. So being totally re- relaxed is a big part of it, and also so was just this idea of releasing resistance. So I think a lot of us, I mean, it takes time sometimes, you know, to, you have to become, okay, I'm okay. I feel comfortable with eating all this food. I feel comfortable with, you know, stopping working out. I feel comfortable with putting on weight. I feel like I want my period back. Like we say all these things, but do we really, really mean them? A lot of times it takes a long time to actually truly mean it and like release all resistance because I felt like when I finally got my period back I had truly completely surrendered and just was like my body is surrendering like whatever you need body I will give it to you all the food all the body fat all the carbs no working out ignoring everyone in my life right now like sleeping so much like giving into my fatigue laying here on the on the floor like whatever you want i will just completely surrender i don't care what happens to me in the process like i just want you i just want you to know you're safe like releasing all that resistance was so was so important and this is something that's kind of hard to explain to people until they experience it but I see this all the time with women I work with who tell me they want their periods back and they're like I'm doing this I'm doing that and they're doing all the things on the surface like they're doing all the things but it's this emotional deeper rooted resistance where there's still a small part of them that is scared to get their period back there's still a smart small part of them that's scared to put on weight that's scared to eat more carbs that's scared to stop working out that's scared to do these things and that subconscious fear that subconscious resistance oftentimes stops people from getting it and it's like as soon as you just don't give a shit and as soon as you completely just surrender and you don't care about what anyone else thinks and you're just doing this for you and you're doing this for health truly purely 100% that's when it comes back so that was all really important okay then let me talk about some supplements I took so for me um I mean I've tried so many and I think one thing just in general was liver support, detoxing my liver. I have my liver detox protocol on my website, but supporting my liver, um, was really important. And also in terms of supplements, what I was doing daily for a couple months when I did get my period back was Vitex, Don Quai tincture, um, and Clary Calm from doTERRA. So that's a rollerball. I just rubbed on my stomach and my feet every single day that helps with hormone balancing but those are the three I used um I'm not sure that I I'm not sure that I think that they honestly did it but I just happened to be taking them you know I was trying all different types of things um so those are the ones I I was using but I just yeah I think that the lifestyle things were way more important um 
Something else that really helped me was acupuncture. I got acupuncture every single week. For a while, I got it twice a week. Um, I think acupuncture can be very helpful for getting your period back. Um, and then Reiki was very helpful for me. I did Reiki as often as I could on myself. Um, my sacral chakra was definitely blocked and everything I've talked about in my, my other podcast about supporting your sacral chakra to get your period back definitely applied to me. So I had, first of all, eating carbs meant also eating more orange foods and to support the sacral chakra. Um, orange is the color connected with that chakra. So eating orange foods is great. Um, I got some orange candles. I just tried to get more orange in my life. Um, wild orange essential oil. I would diffuse all the time and put on my stomach and just getting oranges in my energy field was very important. But performing Reiki on myself as often as I could for a while every day and then just kind of um, a couple times a week or even once a week if I was crazy busy. But doing Reiki regularly helped me so, so much. And when I got my period back, I had been doing Reiki on myself every single day for like three weeks. And I thought that was really helpful. It's like I could feel my energy shifting. And also in terms of stimulating my sacral chakra meant working on the sexuality side of my life a lot. The first few years I was dealing with this, you know, it's like I had no libido. I was not dating. I was like not, I didn't care about any of it because I just had so much else going on with my health and my work and just didn't even think about it. And then when I started to learn about how important the sacral chakra piece was, I started dating a lot and getting more in touch with my sexuality. And that piece, I think, was was very important. And it was like I could feel my sacral chakra turning back on and my libido coming back and I think that's just such an underrated aspect of getting your period back. And for so many people, that can be the missing link. And I really think that was a big piece of it for me. Prioritizing sexuality in my own life definitely helped play a role in getting my period back. And I know people, for some reason, are uncomfortable talking about this, but sexuality is a part of life. There is so much science behind the health benefits of orgasms and how much can help to balance out your hormones. And I think a lot of women don't want to think about this piece, often because they feel like I they're just not interested in it because of the state of their bodies. And I, sometimes you just have to get interested in it for that to come back up. So I really recommend not avoiding that. Oh, and also in terms of just Reiki and my sacral chakra, the sexuality side of things, but also like the Reiki itself because I needed to be cleared because I literally had blocks in my sacral chakra from, I mean, you know, if you don't believe in this, whatever, but past life stuff. But, um, when I, when I, I cleared some big stuff, some big things. And after that I started spotting. And so I felt like that really really was important that I cleared that out of my sacral chakra because things were blocked there specifically. And then another huge, huge piece of this was doing my brain retraining and working on like manifesting and visualizations, but the brain rewiring was key. So I, um, a while back, did 
brain retraining with Rachel Barber. You guys have heard her on this podcast a few times. She's one of my best friends in the world. And she is um, the one who taught me everything I know about brain retraining. And when I did that program with Rachel, what I wanted to focus on was getting my period back. Um, And so all of the techniques that she teaches with, well, I was her one-on-one client, but she doesn't do one-on-one clients anymore in her program. She teaches it now though. She does it in a group program. It's the same content. Um, definitely like that was what I was focusing on getting my period back. And I told her, and I, it was like, I could feel it coming like, because I was rewiring my brain to tell my brain to like, turn it on, turn on my hypothalamus, turn on my estrogen production, put myself out of fight or flight state, because that's essentially what brain retraining is, is getting teaching your brain to get out of fight or flight sympathetic mode. So that was key is doing that brain retraining because that was, that was what I focused on in that program and it worked. And this is related to that, but also, um, just like kind of manifesting things in general. And there's so much that goes into this. Um, that's too much to get into in this podcast, but telling my brain and like living like I'm going to get my period. So I bought a daisy before I even had my period. I bought tampons before I got my period back. Like I was just planning on getting it back and I was just acting like I was going to have it. I bought tampons, I bought liners, I had my daisy. And when I got it back, I was on a trip and I brought my tampons with me because I, I remember, I remember packing my bag and I just thought I'm going to pack them because I'm, and I said to myself, cause I'm going to get my period this weekend. And I mean, I got it. So little things like that, um, in terms of like, I'm a big believer in visualizations and I mean, I'm sorry if this is gross, but literally visualizing, like visualizing and imagining it, like it's happening every day and like visualizing, like going to the bathroom and being like, oh shit, I got my period. Um, all of that every single day with consistency, living like someone who has their period, all of that played a big role in teaching my brain to turn those signals on and get it back. So all of those, I believe, worked together for me to get my period back. So I'm just going to read out the list that that I have. So ate a lot of food, increased carbs by a lot, put on plenty of body fat, stopped working out, de-stressed, was totally relaxed, slept a lot, released all resistance, Vitex, Don Quai, liver support, and Clary Calm, switched to non-toxic personal care products, supported my sacral chakra with the color orange, sex, orgasms, dancing, did Reiki regularly, and released any energetic blocks, did acupuncture once to twice a week, Brain retraining, visualizations, bought a daisy, bought tampons, bought liners. There you go. But I really think it all worked together. And I think that the reason it all worked together and the reason I was able to do all those things was because I was so committed and because I released all my resistance and just trusted the process completely and just said, whatever my body needs to get here, I'm going to get here. And when I was 100% fully committed that's when things started happening. And a lot of people say they're committed. And I did the same thing for maybe two years. I was like, yeah, I want my period back. Yeah, I want it back. But I didn't 
I wasn't like all in. I wasn't like, yes, I want it back. I will do anything. I was like, yeah, I, I want it back. Like I want it back on the surface, but there's part of me that was like, I don't know if I'm ready to put on 30 pounds. Like, I don't know, you know? And then it wasn't until those last two years when I was like, I'm in, I don't care about anything else. Like whatever this is happening, I'm focusing on my health and I don't care what anyone else thinks. And I don't care if this means I have to change my life and I'm just going to do it. And if it's uncomfortable, I am going to just acknowledge that I feel uncomfortable. I'm going to let myself feel it, but I'm going to move on and keep pushing towards my goal. When I released the resistance, that's when it happened. And like I said, I had a couple months of spotting and then my period came back, came back big time. And it has been a regular monthly ever since. And I'm very happy. And I probably will never go back to the way my life was before when I was missing because it'd probably go missing again. And I do not want it to go missing again. Um, and, you know, ever since getting it back, I needed to support my liver some more just to make sure things were re-regulating. And the first couple of months it was heavier and it's been like getting more normal. So it's been good. And I'm really happy that I'm fertile and it, it really did scare me when I thought about, you know, what if I want to have kids in X number of years and do I really want to not be able to just because I wanted to be like skinnier or work out really hard or be super stressed out, like it's not worth it in the scheme of life. And now that my hormones are back in balance and you know, I've gotten new tests and my hormones look really good. I am very pleased and I'm so happy I went through that experience. It was such a learning experience, a personal growth experience, and I became so much more confident through it, so much more confident in myself and really had to develop a strong sense of self-worth and I'm very grateful for it. So let me touch on some of the questions that got sent in. I think I covered some of them, but I just want to like make sure I cover all my bases. So someone said, how to balance listening to your body versus following guidelines that don't feel good and dealing with blood sugar and digestive issues while trying to get your period back. This is a really good question, a really good point to bring up because when you're trying to get your period back, sometimes you just have to fight through the discomfort. And I know it can be uncomfortable, but you have to think of the greater goal. And this often means a lot of digestive issues through it. So it's not uncommon for women to get really bloated, maybe constipated, maybe diarrhea. Like your digestion just feels off. Just you feel very uncomfortable. Bloating is the most common thing um, because you're increasing the amount of food in your body um, and your body's just going through a hormonal change. And if you just avoid the changes so that your body can be more comfortable, you're not going to you're probably not going to get there. So it's normal to deal, to deal with some digestive issues while you're going through it. It won't be like that forever. Um, and same with some blood sugar dysregulation. You know, like if you every day are like hypoglycemic and fainting and all these crazy blood sugar issues, like that's one thing that, you know, maybe pull back and go slower. But I know when I was increasing carbs, I had to deal with a few you know, a few blood sugar dysregulation issues, but it went away and it wasn't anything totally insane. But there's definitely a period of a couple of weeks as my body readjusted to more carbohydrates um, and more food where I would have a couple hypoglycemic episodes, or just have crazy weird hunger signals or really high fasting blood sugar, but it all evened out eventually and I had to push through it. And so you really have to remember your end goal. 
And more often than not, <laughs> it's like listening to your body when you need to put when you need to get your period back isn't always the right path, depending on what the body's signals are, because your body's gonna want to keep you at homeostasis and like in terms of what you're used to, what it's used to. So pushing more calories, like if you need more calories, if you need more weight, it's probably gonna feel like you're going against your body signals at that time, but you're not. Your body, okay, your body's ultimate signal is that it doesn't have a period. Like that is the signal. It doesn't have a period, so it doesn't feel safe. So you have to tell it it feels safe with enough food, enough body fat. But usually as you start to really dive into the process, your body's signals start to kind of take over and it, you do get hungrier, you do get more tired, or you can just feel like, I don't feel like moving today. So it, it, it sometimes does even out to show you the right way, but if you are working to get your period back, um, it's more of a time to follow a quote prescription. I don't use that in the doctor sense. I use that, you know what I'm saying? Um than it is to listen to your body because I can tell you right now, a lot of people who are missing their periods, if they just listen to their body, they will never get it back. Especially if you're somebody who has been under eating, over training for a long time and your body is just used to not eating that much food and you've really like dampened your hunger signals and your body has learned to tolerate a lot of exercise and that's just what it's used to. It's probably not going to send you the right signals. If it was sending you the right signals, then your period will be back, right? So it's more of a time to follow the guidelines. How patient should you be with getting your period back? It can be different for many women, but I feel like at minimum giving it three to four months from when you truly fully 100% commit. There are some people who get it back sooner than that. But I would say that is usually like the minimum. But depending on everything else going on in your body, it could take longer. It could take six months. It could take a year. It could take two years. But it takes dedication. And putting yourself on a timeline isn't going to help you. Like that's going to stress you out. If you're putting yourself, if you're putting yourself under pressure to get it done at a certain time, or just telling yourself it has to happen by this date, or giving up too early. So many people give up, and they say, "Well, I I did everything and it didn't come back, and it was four months." Well. Sometimes that's not enough for you. Maybe it is for someone else, but it's really hard for me to say because it's so different for everyone. Like I told you, for me, I feel like me really going all in with this came in different stages. So from when I went all in with my food and putting on the weight, probably about two years from that, one and a half to two years, I would say with that. And then going all in with in terms of stopping all exercise and really releasing all all resistance emotionally, probably five months. That's what I would say from there because it just it came in stages for me of, you know, I thought I was all in and then I realized, wait, I, I do have some still resistance because I'm not doing everything. And then I realized more things I could let go of and from there it came sooner. But I knew it was going to come and it was going to come when I was ready, when I really released all my resistance and just went in and you just have to be patient. So she also asked why this is an issue for so many women now, which I kind of covered at the beginning, but just, I think so many women are at a lower weight than their bodies want to be to 
have proper hormonal signaling because we have these messages from social media and society about what a woman's body should look like and it's not really the image of health often and I think a lot of women in the health space specifically often you know cut out certain food groups or cut their calories or they're training like they're an athlete even though they're not and they don't realize they're doing it and that can really cause the body to go into a starvation mode. We have basically just normalized a lot of activities and behaviors that aren't necessarily the healthiest but they for some reason are glorified in the health space. And can a lack of sexual activity and expressing feminine energy prevent it from coming back? Yes, 100%. I really think that stepping back into your feminine energy is of the utmost importance. Are there any, are there specific foods because of the nutrition to help you get your period back? Um, there's not like a specific food, but getting in all of your macronutrients, all of them, getting in plenty of calories and getting all of your nutrients in general. So like if there is something that you're not getting enough of in your diet, then you want to make sure you get more of that in and you want to make sure that all of your nutrient stores are replenished. So this kind of overlaps with what to do if you're coming off the pill. But in general, first step should be replenishing all of your nutrient stores. So I know a lot of women just turn to all of these different supplements that are sort of known to help with people getting their periods back. But before you turn to that, make sure that you have enough of all of your main micronutrients you want to make sure you have all of the vitamins and minerals that your body needs so make sure all of those bases are covered you know including your magnesium your vitamin d your b vitamins so on you know foods that support detox are really helpful just with balancing your hormones your cruciferous vegetables your bitter greens your healthy fats um but you know, B vitamins if you're cutting out red meat like all these things can can help but really looking at your own diet and like have you cut out a food group or have you cut out a food? Maybe that's something to add in. But also, I still believe in an anti-inflammatory whole foods-based diet. Like, I don't think that eating a ton of inflammatory foods is going to help anyone. Like, I don't think it helps someone to put on weight in a way that's going to put their hormones out of balance. Like, things like eating excessive amounts of sugar isn't going to help you. Did I eat sugar? Yeah, but like, not any more than I do normally. Um, I have it every once in a while. But it's not a regular part of my diet because that will disrupt my hormones. I don't eat gluten. I don't eat dairy. Um, those things all can disrupt your hormonal balance and cause inflammation. And my body didn't need to be inflamed. My body needed to heal. How to bring up to a healthcare provider that you want to get your period back naturally instead of using the birth control as a treatment? And are there any signs to look for when healing that you are getting your period back? Or is it as simple as it came back? I would just explain express to the healthcare provider that you don't want to use birth control to get your period back. And you can say it just like that. If you want to try and get into it, you can, but it might not be super productive to try and convince them in that appointment that a pill bleed isn't a real bleed. If it helps maybe print out an article from Laura Brighton or Jolene Brighton or even bring in one of their books um, or the article from my website. Um, but I say, I think like, you know, someone like Laura Brighton or Dr. Jolene Brighton having a doctor and like printing out a doctor's article can be really helpful. Um, and just say that you don't feel comfortable doing that. And so you want to get your period back naturally. And 
the job as a doctor is not to pressure you into doing into doing anything and like it, at the end of the day it's your body and you're right to your body so you get to decide so you should not feel um obligated to do anything that you're uncomfortable with and you have the right to treat your body how you want how you want and do what you want to do and if that's not birth control then it's not if it is then it is but that's your decision um and your healthcare provider should respect that um so I wouldn't overthink it. You know, people ask a lot of these questions and just say it to them like you would say it to anyone else and be very respectful and say, I understand your opinion, but I would feel more comfortable going this route um, right now. And if you have any any suggestions to support me in that process, I would love to hear them um, and just leave it at that. Remember, like, it's your power. Like, it's your body, your power, and you you keep that. Are there any signs to look for when healing that you are getting your period back or is that, or is it as simple as it came back? I mean, if you get some spotting, that can be a good sign, but not everyone gets that. I think a lot of it comes down to intuition, to be honest. And like, you will just intuitively know that you are on the right track. Um, if you know that you're underweight, maybe you need to put on more weight. And if you're putting on more weight, you're probably on the right track. If you know that you're not restricting, um, any food groups, you're getting enough food, you are not being too harsh with your body in terms of overtraining. If you have any like internal sense of like guilt or I don't know if I should be doing this, then <laughs> that's probably something you should look at. Your 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 inner voice is telling you is telling you what to pay attention to. So listen to that. A sign that people are on the right track though is often something that scares them at first and that is their hunger signals turning back on. So if you're somebody who needs to eat a lot more food. So if you're nowhere near 2,500 calories a day and you're just saying, you know, I'm not hungry for it, or let's say you work out a lot and you're like, I feel great, I'm not tired. When your body starts to send you the opposite signal, that's usually a sign you're on the right track in the sense of you start eating more food even though you're not hungry for it. And then one day you wake up and you're like, holy shit, I'm so hungry all the time. What happened? That's your hunger signals turning back on. Your body is getting out of starvation mode and your body is like, give me all the food. Or if you uh, maybe start to slowly pull back on the exercise and all of a sudden you notice that you're feeling more tired or you know maybe you, a for a couple weeks you do only two days a week instead of your normal five days. And then you start to feel like, oh my God, I'm so excessively tired. Well, your body has finally learned it can calm down. It doesn't have to stay in this fight or flight state or keep sort of just coping with what's happening because it feels like it can't stop. Now it knows it can rest and it has an opportunity. So not starting to send you real signals of maybe your body's more tired or like I said before, you're, you are really hungry. So those can be good signs that you're on the right track if your hunger signals start to come back. And um, that can be confusing for people because at first they think that they feel worse, but it's really just like, no, my body's actually telling me when it needs me to slow down now. And whenever those signals start to come back, that's kind of when we know, okay, we're in it, we're on the right path, keep going. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to come back very soon, but it definitely is a sign that you are on the right track. 
Is eating a lot of calories enough food-wise, or are macronutrients and calories key too? I know we should increase the carbs, but I have blood sugar dysregulation, which also makes snacking often that a lot of people recommend more difficult. You don't necessarily have to snack more often. Um, I've like never been a big snacker at all, but I I can bulk up my meals. So the problem is if you're not getting enough calories in and you need snacks to get them in, then you probably do need snacks. But if you're having snacks that are rich in protein and fat, that shouldn't dysregulate your blood sugar at all. It probably would make it better. If you have super dysregulated blood sugar, oftentimes those people need, they might need to eat more often. And But the key is eating snacks that are rich in protein and fat instead of carbohydrate dense. And even if you have blood sugar dysregulation, you can still eat carbohydrates. Um, you should be able to tolerate carbohydrates as long as, you know, maybe not doing anything crazy. Like this doesn't mean that you have to be eating a carbohydrate based meal, but just including them. And when you're including them, if you eat them with protein and fat, which you should be at every meal, that'll help balance out the the blood sugar spike um, and keep things regulated. So just slowly adding them in and making sure they're always paired with protein and fat and just learning to find your tolerance and then whatever your max tolerance is, then that's good. But just work with your body. Um, and it might be a slow process, but I would say just trying to add them in. And going from like 0 to 100 overnight is not a good idea at all. Um, so slowly work in half a serving to a serving, maybe two servings a day. You know, like slowly increase that way. And I cover this a bit, but eating just a lot of calories, maybe for some people it is enough. But for most women, it's also about macros. It's also about getting all of your macros. If you're too low in protein, if you're too low in fat, if you're too low in carbs, if your body thinks you're restricting any macronutrient, it just might not send that signal. Um, and I find that more often than not. Like I was prime example. I was eating plenty of calories for a long time, but it wasn't until I added in those carbs that the food was really in place. I'm wondering if amenorrhea has to do only with hormone imbalances. I had my hormones tested and they all came back normal, even my cortisol. So I'm not sure what to do. All my doctor wants me to do is go on birth control. Um, so I feel like I kind of covered this in this episode, but no, not necessarily only hormone imbalances. Um, I would, well, first of all, make sure the testing you're getting is in the right the right functional lab ranges and um, that the hormone testing is... Um, is accurate. I really like a Dutch test. A lot of the hormone tests just aren't super accurate. Um, and if your hormones seem normal, but maybe your liver is like clogged still. So I support your liver, see how that goes and see if there's any other, anything else underlying it in terms of health that, in terms of your health, that might be kind of blocking it. Even if cortisol is normal, there could still be something else that's not totally stimulating a cortisol response yet, but I would definitely support the liver. And if not, then I would move into the energetic lifestyle side of things. Um, because I've seen this before where people's hormones seem to be on track, but it is more of the energetics, you know, things like acupuncture and Reiki and supporting that sacral chakra and lifestyle adjustments, getting rid of inflammatory people in your life, all of those things, those alone can be an issue. Like, Think about this. There are so many women who have, they don't have amenorrhea, but they'll have a super stressful month um, and they miss their periods just that month. And then it comes back when things die down. But that doesn't necessarily mean on a, on a blood test, their cortisol would have been totally off 
you know, if it was tested because our cortisol changes throughout the day, throughout the month. So I would look into that side of things as well. So I got a few other questions more about kind of the aftermath of getting your period back and balancing out your hormones and birth control and getting off birth control, which isn't totally relevant to this podcast. So those are all also questions that I have definitely talked about before on my blog and on my podcast. So I would search, I would use the search engine on my website um, and listen to those related podcasts or in the future I can do another show about getting off hormonal birth control um, and balancing out your hormones afterwards and tracking your cycle, which I use a daisy, pretty simple. Um, so I can totally do that. If you would like another podcast related to those, kind of the after getting the period back situation or what to do when you're on the pill, let me know. You can post about it in the Facebook group. And also make sure you check out my podcast episodes specifically with Dr. Jolene Brighton and Lara Brighton. I think those are the two most relevant ones to those questions. So hopefully that helps. If your period is missing, I just want to encourage you and let you know that sometimes it takes a while, but if you are really dedicated and you go for it and you work with your body instead of against it and you always keep your health in mind over anything else, then I want you to just keep believing and your determination and your belief and your dedication will help you get it back. Sometimes it takes a while. There are some good stories on my podcast episode with Liz Anthony and Kelly all about Hinge. And at the end, we talk about get them getting their periods back after years just from going on some dates. So I just think there are so many ways to attack this issue. And it's so common now in my demographic, just women in their in their teens, in their 20s, in their 30s even. And there are so many different components to it, but you can do this. So I just want to encourage you and hopefully my story gave you some insight, maybe made you think about some things. I've been through it. I totally understand. Um, know that you're not alone. And I'm rooting for you. This whole community is rooting for you. If you have any more questions, comments, want to talk more about this, please post about it in the Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe. I would love to hear from you there. If you enjoyed the show, please share it wherever you can with whoever you think will benefit from it. If you have a friend who you think this will benefit, then please share it with her. Just let everyone know that you can get your period back. If I can get it back, you can get it back. Awesome, period.